Welcome to Managed Care Cast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Maggie Shaw, Associate Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. According to the CDC's 2020 National Diabetes Statistics Report, 34.2 million Americans have diabetes, 88 million adults have prediabetes, and type 1 and type 2 are both increasing in incidence among younger individuals. On this episode of Managed Care Cast, we speak with experts from Christiana Care, one of the largest healthcare providers in the Mid-Atlantic region, serving patients in Delaware and parts of Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Hoping to increase the percentage of the patients with diabetes who have a hemoglobin A1C of 9% or lower, in 2019, Christiana Care implemented a diabetes pilot program at four of its primary care sites. With an original goal of growing this patient group by 10% by July of 2019, they instead saw 16% growth. Dr. Marina Zeltzer, Assistant Chief Medical Information Officer for Population Health and Director of Population Health Analytics at Christiana Care, Dr. Raymond Carter, Clinical Leader of Primary Care at Primary Care Concord, and Edward Foyer, the Behavioral Health Counselor embedded at Dr. Carter's practice, sat down with us to discuss the pilot program, the team-based approach with results that exceeded Christiana Care's original goals, and how they would like to see the program expand going forward. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Zeltzer. Can you tell us how diabetes was chosen as a target for the pilot program and how you have been tracking its success? Diabetes is really a critical public health priority. Before COVID, it was um, the seventh leading cause of death in the United States, and it's a disease whose prevalence is growing. It's really a life-changing illness. It defines really all aspects of a person's medical care and well-being once they receive that diagnosis of diabetes. We found at Christiana Care that one out of every six patients that we see in our ambulatory settings is diabetic. Um, So really it's a a big portion of the people that we serve, uh, or rather represents a big portion of the people that we serve. Um, And Christiana Care is moving very aggressively towards a value-based population health model of care. So we're involved in a lot of um, arrangements with health plans to um, take on financial risk um, for our populations. And in those arrangements, we need to be accountable for patient outcomes, including quality and cost of care. Um, So much of quality and cost is impacted by how well our diabetics can manage their blood sugar over time. Um, so, so those are some of the reasons that diabetes was a big priority. You always start by taking the problem that you're looking to solve and trying to collaboratively um, figure out what are the key drivers of the problem. So each practice went through this exercise of a formal root cause analysis and uh, took in the feedback from, you know, all levels of the team, the, uh, not just the physicians, but the medical assistants and uh, our clerical assistants who you know, interact with our patients in different ways, um, our social workers, our psychologists, everybody kind of weighed in on you know, what are the barriers and issues um, to address in diabetes care and how can we think about it in a holistic way. And, uh, and ultimately we synthesized these themes into three buckets. One was really having a platform to um, 
know the population. Like who are these patients and how can we look at this globally rather than just reacting to the patients that come to us through visits. And that, and that really came through the development and optimization of the diabetes registry. The other bucket was around patient outreach. So again, using the data that we have to identify um, who needs to be outreached to, who's overdue for blood work, um, whose A1Cs historically have been very high, um, who's got other indicators you know, that we should be concerned that we need to reach out and help those people. And then the third bucket is care delivery transformation. So really figuring out how do we organize ourselves to meet our patients where they're at to, to match their particular needs? Um, you know, if you took a set of uh, patients with diabetes who um, have A1Cs above nine, they may each have uh, a different reason for why they're struggling to manage their diabetes. And we need to be attuned to that and, and be able to address, um, you know, with that level of um, personalized care. Now, Dr. Carter, this program was implemented at your practice. Can you please tell us how that occurred and changes you noticed in both the clinicians and the patients? Uh, it was my job to help implement those goals, those strategies, those way of turning goals into real life success stories at the level of the practice and at the level of our patients and even engaging the ones who weren't necessarily there that often. And sometimes that, that's hard, right? So uh, what Christiana was wonderful enough to do, as Dr. Um, uh, Zalstern mentioned, is provide us with data. And uh, the data was really subdivided around those A1Cs, right? That marker, that three-month marker of blood sugar, uh, which can be checked and should be checked with regularity for our patients who have diabetes. It's a good kind of... Um, marker for how well someone will do maybe in the shorter term or in the longer term with their care of diabetes. So first getting that data and refining that data so that we have the ability to target the patients um, in a good way who need help. So, uh, so Christiana Care provided that information to us. And then we went through kind of logistically through the steps that were provided for us. And it was great. It was a great opportunity for our, not just our providers, um, but also the rest of the care staff to be involved, the medical assistants, the nurses, the front desk staff, who are the kind of the first people to greet the patients when they come in, uh, the ones who do a lot of outreach for us. So we involved them in a group exercise where we really tried to tease down for our specific practice, for our specific patients, our, the people we care for, what barriers were there for, for them getting good care. And that involved a lot of things that sometimes we don't think of or sometimes we don't necessarily have, you know, truth be told, the ability to always reach, but we were gonna make a newfound effort to, to really um, tackle some of those problems. So we performed a root cause analysis, looking to see why our specific patients for our practice might have, be having trouble with A1Cs. And we tried to think outside the box, right? So to bring in all aspects of patients' lives and their care and their situation into how they, they could or could not get the, the desired goal that we, we wanted for them, right? And after we did that, we tried to decide on some of the uh, some of the adjustments we would make in the way that we conducted business with our practice. And this involved a lot of outreach. So we took it upon ourselves to make sure that the patients who hadn't been in, the patients who hadn't gotten their labs, we know they're, everyone's got good intentions, but we're going to try and help them. Sometimes it's help motivation. Sometimes it's knocking down barriers. But certain times it's just awareness, right? Just making sure that patients are aware that they hadn't gotten their labs done recently, that A1C. 
making sure that they were aware that some of their more recent levels weren't as uh, good maybe as they can be. And so once we made uh, the opportunity to try and um, gather that information and reach out to those patients, it's bringing them back into the fold. The ones who needed better control had been seen recently, but need better control. We need to, we need to work on this. This A1C, we need to work on our targets. And the ones who had maybe kind of fallen out of step and hadn't had recent care, even the ones who had good care, but hadn't been seen recently. It was our opportunity to reach out to them, to gather um, information from them. So once we had them back on the phone or, or in the office, it was our challenge to really um, identify barriers that may, have, that may play, be, be playing a role and then personalize the healthcare touch that we could offer to them. So that way we can meet them halfway, right? So we have to meet them at the level of understanding, their level of education, their level of desire, um, and offer other um, relief to any barriers in their, um, their care that uh, would facilitate a better outcome for them. So try to adopt a really holistic approach for us. Is of course, right? There are other initiatives, there are other uh, things that we're working on. So my job as clinical leader and also as a primary care provider myself was to help synthesize that information, make it um, usable, you know, in a way to the primary care providers. So um, there was no, there was never any problem with, let's say, engagement with the providers, just making the information useful and, um, and usable by them in a way that was efficient and streamlined and, 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 and maximized care. Um, you know, it just really taught us that we have to meet the patients on their level, whatever that is, whether they have a ton of medical understanding or have, you know, some room for um, for education and improvement, for our understanding of where they're coming from, um, and for them to feel that we're meeting them there in their place of need um, is, is, is wonderful. You know, I think it's also helpful for the providers as well. You know, as a provider, we all have good intentions. We're all working very hard, but there are some situations where we, we feel, you know, that we wish we could do more. We wish we could do better to help an individual patient, an individual family, and we're really struggling to find the, the fit for them, so to speak, but the engagement and the sense of the reward of the providers was tremendously improved as well, is they could say, hey, let's allocate our resources in a way that makes sense, not just to us as an organization, but to each individual case, right? To each individual patient and allowed us to kind of target appropriately the resources that we needed to the patients who needed it most, when they needed it most, and how they needed it most. Um, and that just provided a great satisfaction for the caregivers, for the patients, and everyone all around in the project, I think. Dr. Foyer, as a behavioral health counselor, how does caring for patients with diabetes integrate into primary care? About six to eight years ago, Christiana Care decided to have behavioral health folks, you know, embedded into the primary care practice as well and the specialty practice. So I was given the opportunity to be one of those people, which has been a wonderful experience uh, having not a lot of practice or, or knowledge dealing, you know, about primary care in particular. Um, my role really is to help the providers um, help their patients. And uh, one way to do that is to sort of uh, maybe uh, decrease the stigma associated with a uh, mental health worker, which is why I think behavioral health sounds better because people, unfortunately, there's still a little stigma connected with mental health. And, um, and, and again, my role really has been to focus on helping people, uh, helping the providers help their patients manage their medical condition. Um, 
um, better, you know, to make some gains, you know, to feel better about themselves in the process too. The care, I may only see that person once and then either refer them out or maybe see them, which happens a lot, which is a good plan um, to see them on a follow-up visit with their primary care um, provider. Um, I can also do some outreach in between and with our diabetes management, that was part of my role was to maybe call people in between their their appointment either with their primary doctor um, to see how they were managing their diabetes. And then if there was anything that needed to be tweaked, I would then get their provider involved. And then, you know, they wouldn't have to wait until the next visit, which I think closed the gap a little bit. Um, but um, generally, I think it's been a wonderful experience, I have to say. <laughs> there still is a stigma. I mean, I think diabetes is a very, very um, uh, difficult illness. Uh, it requires an awful lot of attention from the individual that has it. And being able to have somebody else participate in that process, whether it be me, the provider, um, or family members, um, is, is really, really important. Uh, for this to be successful, there has to be a collaboration. And um, the providers have welcomed this um, very much. Uh, there has they even say, hey, it's nice to have another person here. And because I can be in the room at the same time with the provider and I could jump in and um, ask questions based on my training that might lead us in a different path than the traditional way a provider might ask questions regarding one's you know, medical condition. Uh, you know, so if somebody, it could be a simple thing is, uh, so what do you eat in the morning? And the, the person might say, well, I usually skip breakfast. And then the conversation can develop into why do you this, why do you skip breakfast? And then the provider comes in, we're all there together saying, well, having diabetes, you really can't skip breakfast. Let's figure out a way for you to have your three meals during the day. It is wonderful to have behavioral health part of primary care. I think patients, um, have underlying stress. As you know, we're living in stressful times right now. And sometimes just to have somebody to talk about that stress, even if it may not be related to diabetes um, in that visit, because it's all connected. You know, our, our, we are integrated. You know, our emotional health and our physical health are one and the same. And I think having a behavioral health consultant in the practice gives patients an opportunity to talk about things uh, that they might not have talked about or there might not have been enough time or they were embarrassed to talk about it. And then I would say in closing, most of the time when I'm in the office, after we meet, most people will say, you know, I feel better. And we know that when we talk, there are brain changes that occur. And I usually end with, I'm glad you feel better. Thanks for telling me. To learn more about optimizing diabetes care, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.